Welcome to the True Crime Cafe. I'm Becky. And I'm Angie. And you won't believe the case I have for you today. So first, we have a surprise for our listeners at the end of the episode. Yes, we do. So listen to the whole thing because you do not want to miss it. It's surprise, an announcement, it's an extravaganza of excitement. (laughs) (laughs) So today I have a case that involves a child, which we generally stay away from. However, this one, spoiler alert, has a happy ending. So it's safe for us to tell. It's Becky proof. It's Becky proof. Yes. Yes. Today, we are going to California. Okay. Okay. So on June 4th, 1988, four-year-old Candy Tellerico was playing outside of her Sacramento, California home with two friends, a three-year-old whose name I could not find anywhere, and seven-year-old Gina. Inside were Candy's mom, Diane, and Dawn, the mother of the three-year-old. Okay. So Dawn checked on the children, went to the door, went Mm -hmm. to the window checked on their playing in the yard and then went back to talking to Diane. Shortly thereafter, Dawn's daughter came running into the house and said, Candy is in the car with a man. Uh-oh. Meanwhile, seven-year-old Gina ran to her house and told her mom that a man just kidnapped my friend. Yeah. So according to the girls, the man approached them as they sat with their backs to the alleyway. Okay. He grabbed Candy and threw her into the front seat of a car. Candy, at four years old, fall, kicking and screaming for her mom. The kidnapper was later described by witnesses as a white male, 25 to 35 years old, between 5 feet 9 inches and 5 feet 11 inches, weighing approximately 165 pounds. He had dark brown collar length hair and a dark brown mustache. What year was this again? 1988. Oh, so they had like the Tom mustache that like everybody had the magnum pi mustache that's what i was thinking yeah yeah by the time diane and dawn ran outside to the alley there was absolutely no trace of candy the man or the car police were called immediately and public and private agencies launched searches so there was none of this you have to wait 24 hours yeah which you know total bs but yeah most police departments will still tell you that. That's a different episode for a different day. Yes. So police were able to rule out Candy's father quickly because he was incarcerated at the time. However... This left them with no leads to follow. So like no boyfriend, no stepfather, no creepy uncle. No. No. Wow. Okay. Fast forward four days after the kidnapping. Mm -hmm. So just four, four days. So an 18 year old bicyclist told police that she saw Candy near her home, wrapped in a blanket and crying in the backseat of a light blue Ford. Police again immediately launched a search this yeah. time downtown but they did not find candy okay so they were in the suburbs i guess or maybe like right on the I, edge of town yeah, that's like. what it sound 
light. Yeah. Okay. On June 19th, 1988, which is only 15 days later, which seems very, very quick to me. It does. But if you're the parent, it's a lifetime. That's 14 lifetimes, you know? Yeah. So America's Most Wanted recreated the kidnapping. And I guess in this case, with it being a child, Mm -hmm. I mean, time is of the essence. So 15 days in this case, probably seems too long to wait to get this out on TV. It re- well, social media has changed a lot of that because we have immediacy, you know, like something yeah. happens, bam, it's on social media. But that was like the next best thing because with John Walsh having lost a child, that was the, his first height of popularity. I'm not going to say it was the height of his popularity because he's still on TV now. But I remember we would watch Unsolved Mysteries and we would watch America's Most Wanted like every week. Like that's probably what got me into true crime was, you know, mm-hmm. those two shows. So. Oh, yeah. So despite tips and sightings being called in, none of them panned out and Little Candy was still missing. We're going to jump ahead again. 44 days from from the 14 or from the whole like from the day that she was kidnapped okay 44 days after candy's kidnapping mm-hmm. on july 18th six-year-old daisy jones was walking to summer school with her sister when a man grabbed her daisy managed to slide across the front seat over to the passenger side of the car and escape her. her sister who i do not know the age of okay. managed to get a partial license plate for the car their screams attracted the attention of someone in the neighborhood who was able to get the full license plate number. Okay, good. That same day, five-year-old Mui Han Seifong was kidnapped from a predominantly Laos immigrant neighborhood where many of the residents did not speak English. My guess is he wasn't successful with Daisy, so he went and found another victim. Yeah, now these are all little girls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Around the I, same age. Yeah, I don't want to say he has a type, but it sounds like he has a type and it's not sounding good. Like, I know you said happy ending, but... I promise. Wow. I trust you. I promise we're going to get there. So an upstairs neighbor heard Mui's screams and despite not being able to read English, managed to get three of the license plate numbers. Oh, good. Yes. So the police were able to match that partial plate number to the full plate number from Daisy's attempted kidnapping. And they soon knew the kidnapper's name. Was the name of the person who the car was registered to or that license plate was registered to, assuming it went to the car, did it go to the owner? Like did all of that? Okay. Because I know sometimes like it has a different license plate or they stole a car Mm -hmm. and then they stole a different license plate and put it on the stolen car. Okay. Kenneth Alvin Mikkel, 32, Mm -hmm. was deaf and mute. People who knew him in the community described him as a hard worker and a nice guy who kept to himself. His father Mm. was deceased. His mother was estranged from the family. His sisters lived in other cities. So he was alone within this community, like no blood family in this community. Okay. It sounds like the church in that community was his family. Okay. That makes sense. It does. 
I've been to various churches throughout the years and there's always somebody who they are who they're single, they don't have any kids and they volunteer like crazy just to be around other people. He had previously helped in the church daycare, but had been placed on leave because of personal problems. Those problems were not abusive in nature from him towards the children per se. Okay. Some of the kids would tease him relentlessly about his disabilities. And he in turn would lash out. Like there was one instance where a little boy was just, there was no stopping with the teasing. So he pinched the little boy. So it's not like he was doing it out of, oh, I want to hurt you. It almost seemed like that was how he could communicate. Yeah. Like, hey, you need to stop. And I don't want to call these kids bullies, but kids can make some of the worst bullies. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. like, you know, in the whole you're different and that's bad mentality. Mm-hmm. So if the kids did not know sign language and he tried to sign for them to stop, I can almost imagine not these kids, the kids in general, signing is not easy. Like Mm-mm. I went through sign language class in eighth grade. The only thing I remember is the sign for friend. And that's only because what we learned was Dion Warwick's That's What Friends Are For, which mm-hmm. is popular that year. And the word friend is in that song so many times. And I just remember the sign for friend. My oldest daughter. Mm-hmm has been doing sign language with my grandson. Nice. So like he can sign like more done, please, thank you. But I think that you have to start young like that. Yeah. Like I went to a church that had a sign language ministry and there was someone who stood next to the pastor. The stage had tiers, kind of almost like a little wedding cake tier. Mm -hmm. And they were on one of the lower tiers with a different spotlight on them because it was like a huge wannabe mega church kind of church. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything against them. That's just my description. But she would stand there and she would sign everything like songs. For the hearing impaired. Yeah, anything the pastor said, whatever. Because we did have some hearing impaired people in the church. But I don't imagine churches back then being that progressive. I mean, the sign language class I took was a couple of years before this case took place. And that was really progressive for its time. Yes. I'm not sure if the church had that or not. Yeah, Um, I'm I'm guessing probably not. Chances are they did not. Like, I can't remember us going to church when I was young Mm -hmm. in the 80s and them having somebody standing there signing everything. Later on that day, so we are July 18th. Okay. When Kenneth pulled into the church parking lot, I'm sorry, on the 19th, July 19th. Okay. At this point, Candy's been gone 45 days and Mui's been gone one day. When he pulled in the church parking lot, he was arrested. Okay. Because of his disabilities, he motioned for a piece of paper and wrote, girl is in car. The police opened the trunk and found Mui in a cardboard box. Alive. Okay. Alive. Kenneth then pointed to the church basement. Okay. Officers went through a hole to enter the basement and found Candy. Alive. Thank goodness. Her kidnapper had given her a blanket, some coloring books, and a TV. Okay. Number one, what kind of kidnapper gives someone coloring books and a TV? Number two, where were the little Debbie cakes? Because that was the 80s and, you know... Little Debbie Cakes. And number three, how did the church not hear a TV in the basement? I mean, I guess 
if the TV was only on at certain times. But I mean, he couldn't hear. So what was stopping the little girl from like blaring the TV to get people's attention? I'm not sure. But maybe as a four-year-old, maybe because he was being nice to her and giving her this stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. She did appear to have been well taken care of. The girls were taken to the university medical center to be examined and be reunited with their mothers. And they both stayed overnight, but then they returned to their respective homes. In September of 1988, he pleaded guilty to 10 felony counts with the understanding he would serve no more than 62 years and four months. In December of 1988, he was formally sentenced to 41 years for Candy, 20 years for Mooley, and one year and four months for Daisy. Remember, she was the attempted victim. He, in total, he spent 27 years incarcerated until he died in October of 2015. Oh, wow. Candy grew up, got married, became a mother to five children. It sounds like she was able to lead a very productive life and this did not define her future. There was no updated information available for movies. So my guess is her and her family kind of disappeared back into the immigrant community, which would not be unsurprising. No. So that's the kidnapping story with a happy ending. Yeah, I'm really glad. And I can only imagine being that poor kid's mother, either of them, you know, because one night is just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And 44 days is like 44 nightmares because my kids went missing one time. The dog got out. They went after the dog. The dog came back. They didn't come back. They had a friend with them, a neighbor kid. And the neighbor kid's mom was like, yeah, they'll come back when they come back. They're probably just out playing in the woods. And I'm like, yeah, but well, she was a free range parent and let her kids, you know, go and do. I am the queen of the helicopter moms. Even now my kids are adults. And I'm like, text me when you're leaving work. I want to know that you're going to get home safe. And like when you should be home. Also, mm-hmm. I might need them to go by Sonic and get me some chili cheese tops. But, right? Right? Because if, if your adult kids are living with you, they have a purpose running errands for me is mine. But yeah, so they came back. They did come back like three hours later and they were wet from the mid chest down because this was a dead of winter. They were jumping on a frozen pond to see who could last the longest without breaking the ice or some stupid game that, you know, middle school boys do. Yeah. So... Yeah, I can see them doing that too. Uh-huh. Like, I can picture yeah. that in my head. And that was just three hours. And I was like, I remember driving around, my hands were shaking, like trying to hold the steering wheel, thinking it's not even safe for me to be driving 10 miles down the road. At what point do I have, like, how long do I wait before I call the police? You know, I called my husband, who's a firefighter, and he was 20 minutes away because that's where he was stationed. His boss gave him permission to leave work two hours early. The boys Mm -hmm. had to work to pay him back that two hours. That was cute. Nice. So, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, but I just remember that terror of, like, those three hours. I cannot imagine 44 days. Uh -uh, uh -uh. Uh-uh, Because at some point, as the parent, you don't want to give up hope. You don't want to believe that. Uh, your child is never coming back but at some point you would 
think that you have to start changing that mindset to, okay, I need to prepare right. myself for a future without my child in it. As right. hard as that is, I can't or, even imagine that. Um, I can't imagine preparing for life without my child. I cannot imagine thinking, am I going to have to prepare a funeral for a child? Mm-mm. And you know that this had to have been going through her mom's head. Like you, oh, and, you, and worse. I wish nobody would ever have to go through that. Right. But we all live in reality and we know that there are bad people in the world. Yeah, there are. And as we know, a lot of kids are still in danger of this happening because we both get the people, you know, true crime daily in our inbox every day. Mm-hmm. And lately, it seems like there are two or three cases per day that pertain to kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of them pertain to, you know, one kid doing something to another kid. And now the mom has to face both sides of that coin. Yep. And every, like, some days I read the articles, some days I just skim the headlines and call it a day. I typically will not read the article if it is about the death of a child. Mm-hmm. There are some exceptions. A while back, I want to say, I know it was this year, but it had to have been at least a couple of months where the uh, father killed the mom and the children before taking his own life. That article I read, but it didn't go into like detail, which I don't want to know. Yeah, like exactly. There are some things that you just don't need to know mm-hmm. or don't want to know. Exactly. On to happier, more exciting news. Yes. As many of you know, we've had a Facebook account from the beginning. And then earlier this week, I said to Angie, I said, Angie, why are we the only podcast with no Twitter? Look what I did. I made us a Twitter. So you can find us on Facebook at True Crime Cafe. You can find us on Twitter at True Crime Cafe 01 because, you know, their username only allows 15 characters and somebody had True Crime Cafe. If you go to Twitter at True Crime Cafe with no numbers after it, that's not us. Our logo is much prettier than theirs, just personally saying. For those of you that don't know, Becky is known in our real life job and in our podcast as the social media goddess. She comes to me and says, why are we the only ones without a Twitter? And I'm like, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And in my head, I'm thinking, because you didn't set one up. <laughs> <laughs> right. The only time I go on Twitter is there are like three celebrities that I follow. One of them being Henry Winkler, the Fonz. Yeah. So I um, love the Fonz. Me too. He'll like, he's so timeless. He'll never grow yeah. old. Let's see. I go on there for a few celebrities. While I'm on there, I'll, I only go there on my phone. I will swipe up a couple times through the main feed to see if there's anything good about books. And then I get out of it. That's it. And that's all I use Twitter for. I never think to use it. Well, I'm sure at some point there will be more social media channels coming. <laughs> there will be. I don't know if all the Pinterest. I don't know how much true crime is on Pinterest. Oh, there's a lot of true crime on Pinterest. I have an entire board on my personal yeah. account. Yeah. I think my husband does not do quote unquote social media, but he's all over Pinterest and he's all over Tumblr. And I'm like, honey, guess what? Those are social media accounts. And he's like, no, they're not. Shut up. It's not Facebook. Because in his mind, Facebook is social media. Yes. So. so our other exciting news. Yes. Is we have a website that is currently under construction. Yes. And this is Angie's hard hat area because she <laughs> is the website goddess. Oh, currently we are in the process of, well, I'm in the process of building <laughs> it. It's a, definitely a labor of love. I'm hoping to have it completed soon. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's no we in the website. But there will be a page where you can see a description from all of our episodes and they will contain links so that you can jump to those episodes if that's what you want. They'll be categorized on type of crime, whether they're solved or unsolved. We want to make it easy for our listeners to find the cases that they want to hear. Yes. There will also be some surprises that you will only be able to access through our website. And you will only be able to find out about those surprises if you keep listening to this podcast, because we're probably not going to post them on social media because your social media person, she can be kind of a flake sometimes. Sometimes. Kind of talk to her. Kind of talk to her. I would lower her pay. (laughs) We hope that you will stick around and continue to listen to our podcast we hope that you will hook up with us on social media interact with us we love to talk we hope that you will continue to listen to our podcast we hope that you will find us on social media and interact with us we love talking true crime we do sometimes probably too much in the um (laughs) opinions of our husbands or neighbors my neighbor came over and she said oh you do a podcast what's it about and i was like oh it's true crime we just talk about murder and missing people kidnapping how much we love keith morrison you know the silver fox of dateline yes and we hope that you will take a look at our website once it's done we will make sure that we announce it here in the podcast and on our social media channels with the link to the website so that you can go and see everything that's going on yep and if you're really sneaky if you're an internet detective and you find it ahead of time keep it quiet until we announce it stay caffeinated and join us next time for another cup of crime